You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. All right, let's get the Ole Miss week rolling. And not today, but through the week, let's kind of put the, the South Florida Bulls game in a rearview mirror. But today we're going to talk about it, and so is Nick Saban. We are awaiting the appearance of Coach at the podium, and we will go to him immediately when his mic is hot. In the meantime, Lars, did you have a nice weekend? I did. had a really nice weekend. Um, big uh, athletic weekend for my kids. And uh, then, of course, all attention was turned to the Alabama game. And, uh, Matt, I, to me, it was the most uh, dispiriting game of the Nick Saban era, even more so than the loss to Louisiana Monroe 21-14 back on November 17th, 2007 in year one. Because in year one, we knew that there were going to be some growing pains. Nick Saban needed to reshape the roster, needed to get rid of some guys who hadn't bought in. There was a lot of optimism. Uh, There was always a good deal of effort. And the team that I saw that everyone saw play on Saturday, what was the issue? Effort, 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 effort. It absolutely wasn't there. Alabama looked like a team whose spirit was broken. They didn't look interested in playing. And, uh, you know, they're going against literally one of the worst teams in college football. Well, they didn't look like it. (laughs) Well, that has more to do with Alabama than South Florida. Yeah. Um, And this team's got problems, big, big problems. And... You know, it's just uh, this is pure speculation on my part, but I think that there are some issues internally that have fractured this team. And uh, Nick Saban needs to do everything he can and and summon all of the persuasive power he has to get this team back on the right track. Well, they even pointed this out on national television. Sideline reporter said they're not together. Said there's no. Helmet slapping, there's no butts, there's no leader. She used the word, there's no leadership. Ooh. And I, I just read a little while ago that the team called a players-only meeting. You know, you got to hope that maybe that bonds them together. But Nick Saban will take it from here. So after watching the film, you know, I was, what I said after the game really kind of goes... You know, we had a lot of players that really competed hard in this game, uh, played hard, competed well. Uh, we didn't always execute the way we want to execute, and I think everybody can look to something that they can improve on, and that's certainly going to be, you know, the focus, you know, that we have uh, this week. You know, there's a responsibility that goes with that for the player, but also for the coaches, so that, you know, we're doing things that players can do. Uh, so they can go on the field and play fast and know exactly what they're supposed to do and go out there and execute it. And I think that's, you know, going to be important for all of us this week. So, you know, when our guys get out there, they can play fast. Um, look, we're looking forward to, you know, SEC opener. Uh, we've had three games to kind of evaluate our team in a lot of different areas. You know, Ole Miss is a really, really good team. Uh, Lane has done a great job there with the program. Uh, This is one of the best offensive teams uh, in the country in terms of things that they do, multiples that they have, the way their players are coached and how they execute. Um, They're playing better on defense. Uh, So, you know, this is a really, really good team. And um, 
you know, we're going to have to play, you know, our best, and um, we, ne we need to improve to be able to do that. Uh, on two points, I think, um, you know, from a quarterback standpoint, this is all I'm going to say about this. You know, Jalen really showed the leadership that I was looking for, you know, during the game in terms of supporting his teammates and doing the things he needed to do. Um, he's had the opportunity to play, so has the other guys. Jalen played the best uh, of all those guys, and uh, so I think he's earned the opportunity to be the quarterback. Uh, on this other thing that I hear floating around out there, I'm sure you've seen the same reports that I've seen, is Kevin Steele is the defensive coordinator. Um, he has all the defensive coordinator responsibilities. Uh, the only thing that we tried to improve on from an administrative standpoint was game day administration of getting the signals in quicker. All right, so that, that's the only thing that, you know, we worked on together as a staff. The whole staff made a contribution to it, and I think it was a lot better in this game than it was in the Texas game. Hey, Coach, just after getting a chance to watch the film, how would you assess the play of the offensive line? Um, well, I don't think when you give up five sacks and um, – I, I think that our players were, they ran a lot of blitzes, a lot of looks, uh, nothing that we really, only one thing that they did that we'd not worked on. But I think the, the players were not communicating well uh, and not on the same page, you know, sometimes. And I think that created issues and problems. That's something that we want to build on. Tyler Booker mentioned that the players met yesterday, players only meeting, um, and he said togetherness is a real point of emphasis for them. Uh, how would you assess the togetherness of this group? Well, I, I've been pleased with it. I think this was, you know, the first game where I saw some guys, you know, a little frustrated. Um, and I think the frustration came maybe because we weren't as focused as we needed to be, which is my responsibility. Uh, so players go out and make some mistakes and things don't go well and they get frustrated. Uh, and as a competitor, you never want to get frustrated. You always want to play the next play. Um, but I think we, we've talked about how everybody needs to buy in to doing the things they need to do to make their contribution to the team to play winning football. And I think as you know, time goes on and the season goes on, everybody's role gets a little bit more clearly defined. Some guys may be disappointed in their role, but they have to buy into that if they want to make a contribution to the team in a positive way, whether it's on special teams or, you know, being a player that gets an opportunity because somebody's down, um, whatever that might be. You mentioned Jalen kind of met the moment in terms of being a leader on Saturday. Is that something you needed to see from him kind of going into the week and you wanted him to see more of? No, I, I, I made the comment, and that's, that's the comment. Um, so, you know, he's played the best of the quarterbacks, and that's the way, it's, it's the way it is right now. From Chase. Uh, general question here, not related to the USF game, but when an offense goes with seven-man protection for the quarterback, how difficult is it to get somebody open when there's only three guys running routes? Uh, well, I think you have to have a combination of both. Um, 
obviously play action, a lot of play action passes are supposed to complement the running game and you don't get five guys out in the pattern. Um, so sometimes you want to secure the protection and hopefully, you know, the play action passes allow, you know, some vertical routes down the field to be effective. We've hit some explosive plays on those kind of plays this year. Um, you know, six-man protection, the back gets out late. So, you know, when you get all guys out, you got five guys to block five guys. So that puts the most stress on the offensive line. So I think you got to have a combination of all three of those things to be an effective offensive team. Seems like Malachi Moore recovered from that minor injury and has played really well over the last few weeks. What have you seen from him and what type of leader has he been in the defense? Yeah, Malachi's been the leader of that group. He's the best communicator. He makes a lot of checks, lots of calls, gets everybody on the same page. I think it helps the other players play with a lot of confidence and, and he has played very, very well. Um, puts a lot into it, does everything that we ask of them in terms of effort, toughness, uh, not making mental mistakes, doing things the way we'd like for him to do it. So I'm very pleased with the way he's playing. Coach Lane Kiffin, you guys know each other clearly well. Uh, I believe you talked about when Sark came, they've been taking notes on you for years. Have you been looking at what he does and what can you say about the program Ole Miss the past few years he's been building? No, I, I think they're outstanding, obviously what they fourth in the country or something in total offense and scoring you know 52 points a game and 526 yards so this is a and you know lane's an offensive guy did a great job when he was here and he's doing a great job there and the players do a great job of executing which is always a good sign of you know a well-coached team and uh, I, I think he's done a fantastic job there Look, Matt. What do you think of how Roydell Williams played Saturday? Roydell did played a great second half. Um, you know, he had over 100 yards rushing in the second half, um, and we were very pleased. We've always had a lot of confidence in Roydell, so you know, him and Jace both have been very productive so far this year. Coach, with the outside noise being as loud as it's been, what is your perspective or, or feel on this team? Because despite what that outside noise might be, this team is sitting at 2-1, and one, about to start SEC play, and plenty to play for this season. Look, I like the team. I got confidence in our team. Um, I, I really do. You know, we've had some tough stretches before, and players have bounced back, but I think everybody's got to make a commitment to doing that, and it's not easy. Uh, we got really tough competition coming up, but... Everybody's got to challenge themselves, I think, to be their best as a player, uh, be their best as a team guy, be their best as a leader. And I've, I've, I've liked this group so far. I just think, you know, our execution has got to get a little more consistent. Finish up How much has Pete carried over what he did here to what he's doing at Ole Miss defensively? Uh, there's some few things that are a little different, but quite a bit of it's the same, and I'm sure it has something to do with personnel. Um, but I think they're playing better, uh, and you know that makes them a better team. All right, thank you. There you have it, Nick Saban's Monday press conference from noon till about twelve fifteen. 
Let's take your phone calls, your reaction. Lars and I, along with Justin, will also react to what Nick said and then what happened Saturday afternoon slash evening down in Tampa. As you listen to Big Noon Sports, you can go ahead and call in at 205-342-9904 as Big Noon Sports rolls on a sunny Monday. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. What a beautiful day today. Sunshine in full supply, the high 83. Clear and cool tonight, the low 59. And dry, pleasant weather continues tomorrow and Wednesday. The sky's sunny both days. Highs between 83 and 86 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 82 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Thank you, James. How about that? 82 degrees mid-September. I'm loving it. I don't think we're going to see another really big heat stroke again. Oh, don't say that. That's that's like uh, 20 degrees lower than it was a month ago. Yeah. And you, man, can you ever feel it. And the humidity is down as well. But where are we going following Alabama's 17-3 win in Tampa over the Bulls? Uh, got several places here. Saban started. He talked about quarterbacks. He said Jalen was his man going in. He's already uh, on a Monday. I don't know that I anticipated that he would say that I this didn't. early. Did you? No, absolutely uh, not. Uh, it's uh, some some big news right off the bat that uh, Jalen Milrow has uh, quote earned the uh, the right to be Alabama's starter. And to me, this feels a little bit. The, the UCF game remind me a little bit of the 2015 Ole Miss game where Nick Saban and the staff started Cooper Bateman over Jake Coker. They quickly, quickly realized that didn't work. They go back to Coker. Coker goes on to be the starter for the rest of the season. I think Jalen Milrow is going to be the starter the rest of the season unless he gets hurt. Then why didn't they put him in? Well, I think uh, this was. Like, <laughs> I'm so uh, baffled this is, by uh, this. this the, I think the South Florida game was uh, really the one opportunity to see what you have in 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 Simpson and Buckner. You want to get them out there, and I mean, you, you there, practice is one thing. Real life game action is a different thing, and, and some players just aren't that great practice players, and they really perform when the lights are on. Uh, and uh, you know, Tyler Buckner, holy cow! Holy Dear cow! Headlights. I, I was so stunned by that. Yeah. So that experiment is definitely over. Uh, <laughs> and in uh, in in Simpson had his moments, but he's not ready yet either. He and was so, late. I think. I think he showed. I would take. Uh, I would take Jalen Milrow in a New York minute over that. Uh, and I but, know I'm going to pound this in, but that game wasn't over. I mean, it's a pick six away from being tied. It was not over until Alabama scored very, very late in that game. Is that the time you experiment with your quarterbacks? Well, I think that I was. Mean, the, if that Jaylen, was the plan going Jaylen's into the it. Guy, then. If, and he's going to be your starter, let him come in there and seal that game away. 
I'm. I know you guys think it was a test session, but I, I don't think on the road trailing by seven points is the time to test out your backup quarterbacks. Did you guys find it weird the the timing of the initial change when they brought in Ty Simpson? It was right after the turnover, and you would have thought maybe Tyler Buckner would have just handed the ball off three or four times. Instead, they were like, "Now's the time." Ty Simpson's in. Tyler Buckner's out. I think Nick Saban had seen enough of Buckner to realize that uh, this is not going to work. Yep. He might have been late on that trigger. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, was that it's, the uh, worst performance by a starting quarterback uh, just, in, uh, you know, I, since Nick Saban's been head coach? It was hard for me to be terribly critical because I was feeling so, <laughs> feeling for the guy. Oh, I, I feel for the guy, too. Um, I but, feel for the guy, but, too. Uh, and I don't I, know. And I, and I thought... I thought he was going to be ready for the moment because he's played in some big games at well, Notre Dame. In the starting job. I mean, he, they thought he was ready. Yeah. Um, the other criticism and discussion this week has been about the offensive line. And I think if I were going to have to really point a finger, and I'm kind of soft. I'm, I'm really, honestly, folks, I'm more of a cheerleader here. I don't like to be overly critical. But this is an issue and not one that we anticipated. These are the guys that were at the SEC media days saying, we're going to make you quit. Well, I've seen the exact opposite. What is going on with these plus 350s, these five stars? They are not getting it done. And Saban mentioned it again. Five sacks? What is that? Nine sacks in two day, two games? Something like that? Yeah. It's crazy. And this was supposed to be, wouldn't you say, Lars, the strength of the football team coming into the season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the offensive line garnered more preseason hype than any other position group on the team. And it seemed to be that uh, it was legit because – the the line features four and five star players and also the fact that uh, most of the guys weigh in at over 360 at least before camp they did it's like wow they're gonna have the ability to really push people around well you know what's happening people are running around them quickly (laughs) yeah the, the the quickness isn't there the cohesiveness the communication um, you know, we thought that uh, this was a unit capable of winning the Joe Moore Award, right, for the best offensive line. And this was going to be one of the better offensive lines that Alabama has had in years. But uh, it, it's just been it's been really tough, you know, against Texas. Uh, the Texas defensive line just dominated. And, and Jalen Milrow, he had to scramble just uh, time and time again. And uh, and then so, OK, you move on to South Florida, uh, a team that won one game last year um, and a, a team that uh, uh, just it really has no business even hanging with Alabama. But, man, they just uh, set up shop in the Alabama backfield consistently. Their DNs were consistently beating the tackles. And, you know, you don't want to signal or, or signal out one person, but the, the, the left tackle's got – it's a big problem with Alabama. And that, that's your most important uh, position yeah. on the line. And so, um, you know, giving up five sacks to South Florida. Mm. They didn't look like a team that only won one game last year. And, again, I'll point this out, and um, you've heard it before. You'll hear it again. Bama wears a big old – Target, and the bit. What's the biggest game so far for Middle Tennessee State University? 
Alabama. What's the biggest game for Texas? Alabama. What's the biggest game for South Florida? Alabama. What's the biggest game for Ole Miss coming up? Alabama, but it's been that way for about a decade. Yep. More than a decade. And normally when teams like South Florida give Alabama their best shot, they still come up 35 points short. I know sitting in the press box, we were like, uh, do we play Chattanooga this year? Chattanooga's got to be watching the USF game going, well, maybe. And we're going to get, like we always do, we're going to get the best from every team we play. We did. Is there a guaranteed win? If If Alabama plays the way they did on Saturday, is there a guaranteed win on the schedule? Chattanooga. I, I, I wouldn't be confident State. in saying you, you, you just played a team that was literally like the worst in college football last, last year. Uh, I never never thought I'd see the day that uh, Alabama is playing like Nebraska, but Alabama played like Nebraska on Saturday. All right, let's go positive on here. I thought they played – it was a different team in the second half, and it was not a different team in the first and second half when it – came to playing defense. Kevin Steele had them playing. And they were stopping the run. They were stopping the pass. They forced a turnover. Occasionally, Brown would get loose on a scramble and, and make up significant yardage. But for the most part, I would give the defense an A. Are you? Would, what do you think? Yeah, I'd give the defense an A. I talked to Dallas Turner after the game, and he was, you I mean, I wouldn't say ecstatic. He's a very... Oh. Uh, you know, Stonewall kind of. You guy give up three points off a turnover. That was it. Well, and then it, there should have been another turnover, but there was the penalty, right? Yeah. The interception that uh, turned it back. Okay, so set the scene for us after the game when you are when you you're seeing Saban, you're talking to different players. What was their body language like? Um, I was surprised that Nick Saban just uh, didn't didn't go full on Nick Saban. At the press conference afterward, he was actually complimentary of his guys, and he seemed pretty mellow. And it, that seemed to reveal to me, and again, this is just uh, armchair psychoanalysis, that Nick Saban wasn't terribly surprised by what happened. Like, no. like he could have see, he saw it coming. It was, it was uh, kind of shocking when he walked in, and and we were listening to his opening comments, because, um, like you said, Laura, he didn't seem very. You would have thought anger or, you know, ready to go and point out all of his error. He seemed like, oh, this is what I thought was going to happen. Aren't y'all about ready for him to pound his fist, in the, you know, his fist into the podium? I think I think I am ready. I think he's a little <laughs> bit too subdued. Oh, it's time. Then, hey, Lars, go over there and ask him a question next week. It's about time for him to take a reporter out. <laughs> don't you think? And you're the guy. You're the man. You can handle it. Hey, take one for the team, Lars. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll right. get them fired up. All right, let's take a phone call. Joseph has dialed in at 205-342-9904. Let's put Joseph on and see what he has to say about the Alabama Crimson Tide. Hey, Joseph. How you doing, man? Great. I'll tell you this. I think Ty Simpson's our guy if he get off of the line, but if not, you have to go back to Taylor Railroad. Ty Simpson is a really, really good thing, I think. A really, really, I mean, he had a bullet pass in 3 I mean, and Ty Simpson's the type of guy that the boy can't get the better he gets. So, I mean, I think for a little bit of experience, Ty Simpson will be Alab
I agree. If the offensive line is playing at an elite level and you want to have a down-the-field passing attack, then Ty Simpson's your guy. But if your quarterback is running for his life every time he drops back to pass, then uh, Jalen Milrow's got to be your guy because he gives you the best chance at, at winning. I mean, you look at last uh, on, on Saturday, Alabama threw for a whopping 107 yards. Completed a whopping 43.5% of their passes against a defense that couldn't stop anybody last year. But, but, uh, I think Ty Simpson's more of your, like, neutral, uh, go under, like, or get behind the center type guy, and then you play action, kind of like an A.J. McCarrick or a Greg McElroy or Jake, you know, or Jake Coke type player. But uh, Miro is more like your Blake Field. I got to tell you, when uh, Nick Saban came out of the Gators news conference just about 15, 20 minutes ago and and said Milrow was his guy, I was a little dumbstruck because I thought that Simpson played really well in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter when Alabama needed to salt it away. He led the tide to two consecutive touchdown drives. And I thought, okay, then they found their guy. You know, they're looking around. They found their guy. They didn't play. Yeah, they they didn't play Milrow. So what's it coming down to? And then he goes to the podium today, and and it it really surprised me that he made the announcement on its own right, but particularly that he made it Monday of this week. I would have thought he'd gone through some practice sessions, but no. Um, That's his guy, Joseph, moving forward. So let's go with four. Hey, thanks for your call, Joseph. Got a final comment? That would be a no. Um, we'll talk more about Alabama. Um, I got home in time to see like the last quarter of Colorado, Colorado State. Wow. I mean, I don't like to tip my hat too often, but um, the Buffs came back and did what they yeah, had to do. Colorado State yeah. blew that game. They yeah, had they them. Yeah, they they really did, and I'll. I don't mind. I was, I, I, was, I was pulling for the Rams big time. Yeah, I was ready to, you know, shoot out. Like I wear my sunglasses at night music. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, he, Deion Sanders has a, 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 a deal, a sunglasses deal with that company. Wow, well, that's pretty smart on both their yeah. parts. <laughs> but why you need to wear it at, at what, 11 a.m., 11 p.m. Uh, coastal time? I don't know. He's annoying. Did you watch the special on him with 60 Minutes? I yeah, just, I've, my, had my, an, my, I've had enough. My buddy, uh, John, John Wertheim, I worked with him for many, many years at Sports Illustrated. He did the interview, and um, I actually uh, shot a text to John, and he said Dion was great. Well, well he's Dion. Dion is Dion. I mean, he said, I'm the best coach in college football. Um. <laughs> yeah, he also called, um, who was it? On Twitter, he called uh, somebody a hoe, and I was gonna. That's just and I'm it's like, not wait, appropriate. Wait, wait, but he actually, I think he spelled it wrong. He spelled it H O E, and I think it should just be H O. <laughs> well, now there's a debate we need to have. <laughs> Let's get into Hang it. on for that one. Uh, it depends on what kind you're talking about in my book. But maybe he was calling him a, a, a farmer's implement. Yeah, could um, be. All right, we'll get back, take your calls, talk some more. You're listening to Big Noon Sports.
everybody. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Breaking it down and moving forward. Just received a text from Kerry Clark, who does our Saturday night show, post-game show, right here on Tide in Tuscaloosa, also on the Bear. And he said the Mississippi State game which is in two weeks, minus a couple of days, will be an 8 o'clock tip-off, kickoff. I hate, I mean, I don't mind the 6.30s and even the 7s. Man, that's late. So I, I misspoke earlier. It was Deion Sanders Jr. that went on to Twitter responding to Danny Cannell, who said, who just asked the question, should you storm the field after a win in overtime as a 24-point favorite? And Deion Sanders Jr. wrote, "You are a pure hoe, H O E." And I was so gonna, I was going to correct him. No, I think he would have gotten another one, and he might have might have brought up a bigger gun, brought out a bigger <laughs> gun. Let's go to the phones and talk to Warren. He's dialed in, interested to see what he has to say. Hey, Warren. Hey, uh, uh, just caught the tail end of your show uh, of the show. I'm I'm driving out to football practice. I, I think. I think that uh, uh, Coach Saban is calling Melrow uh, early as quarterback because he just feels that he has the better opportunity of winning the game coming up. And I don't think he—I don't think he believes Ty has enough in the tank that could pull out a game. And I think that's where it really boils down for him. I think he saw enough in the game, even though he Ty Simpson. Uh, gave us the win, but it wasn't enough. Um, and I don't think he believes the Lions are going to get any better. Uh, that, that that game was just simply horrible. And um, he knows that. Uh, he knows Ty Simpson is not going to be protected. And Melrose has the leg to get it done. So I think that's what you're looking at. And I don't think he'll have a problem pulling the trigger and putting Ty Simpson in if it looks any better. But I think that's why he called early, bottom line. Do you expect to see a lot more RPO if they're just they're literally going to finally make the stance that this is our starter? I think they are. I think, and matter of fact, I, I think I posted on someone's Facebook, I said it's going to be RPO heavy. That's what we're going to see. Uh, because I think that's how it's going to be for the rest of the year. And and I think that I think we have two. I, I think the, the the guy that came over from Notre Dame was a not the not the OC. I think the quarterback that was a huge mistake. I mean that was a huge. I mean huge. That that guy. There's a there's a reason that guy came here, and and I don't think he's going to get any better. He is what he is, right? Um, and I think there's. I'm not saying that um, uh, Ty Simpson can't be salvaged. I think he's a good quarterback. I really do. Um, I've I've seen him play twice in high school down in Knoxville. I I like the kid. Matter of fact, I saw him play when he was a sophomore. Live game, two of them. I think he's he's a good kid. Uh, I think he's a good quarterback. Uh, I don't know what's going on in his head right now, 
but uh, but um, uh, has I, he think, developed, I think he'll be a good fit. Has he developed as fast as you thought he would, or did what do you, did you no, think it was going to be I, a I, work I, in progress? I thought, I thought I thought it'd be faster because he did in Knoxville. I thought it would be faster. I thought uh, when 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 he was uh, selected, when he I was happy. I said, "Oh my God!" I said. This is it, right? I, I really felt like Ty Simpson was. I thought I thought that him coming to Tuscaloosa, uh, uh, being with Nick Saban, being in that program, I said, I said, this this is it. I said, I I think this is a great fit, especially who he was behind. I just I, I felt real confident. I was disappointed that he didn't take the reins doing during the um, uh, the spring. The, the spring games, I, I was re- personally, I was disappointed. I, I just felt like that was his shot, to, just to take the team. I said, I, I think this is the guy. I really felt that way, and I was, I was really disappointed through, through the whole process. And I'm a Melrose fan. I have to be honest with you. I am, um, and, and I see things there. His reads are not crisp. He throws it away. He stares a guy down. Uh, he gives the ball up quickly. You know, but his legs gets him out of trouble, and his and his legs saves the game. And and man, we're just at the place right now. We've got to win games, and uh, our defense is playing their stinking heart out. We we've, we've got to win games, else you know, gosh, it's bowl bound. I mean, they, I mean, there's blood in the water, and the sharks around. They can see it. I mean, we're we're just we're just. Man, we got to win, um, and I think that's what I think that's what Coach Saban is seeing. Um, it's also what so Lane Kiffin is seeing. Exactly, and everybody else. I mean, they see it; they know what it is. You know, that's what that's why Sark did what he did. He, he, I mean, he saw it. He knew exactly what time. He knew it. He he read that on our defense. I mean, that that man. So as a as a, as you a- know, as a coach, uh, what was more disturbing to you, watching Alabama play against Texas or watching Alabama play against South Florida? Oh, God. South Florida killed me. I mean, I, I, I mean, we couldn't do anything right. Offensively, I, I, just, I just thought, okay, c- can we, I mean, could we, could we, <laughs> The play selections, could we, I mean, I, I don't know, guys. I just felt like. <laughs> you, you sound know, like you're Alabama. 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 Well, you sound like everybody. Trying I mean, to I mean, we're Alabama. I mean, we're, you know, we're Alabama. I, I just, and then we, we hire an offensive coordinator that we, that we felt like, you know, we're supposed to bring this, this, you know the thud back to the line where we we're going to push you around and, and just drive it down your throat, right? We're supposed to bring the run back in the run game. We're gonna we're gonna bloody your nose, right? We didn't bloody anybody's nose. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, it was that that team was horrible, and we looked like we were a JV team trying to figure out how to run the damn ball. It was terrible. It was it was just. I mean, I. I, I I had to turn it off. I turned it off. Really? I, I was just, I, I turned it off. And I don't turn out of it. My wife said, what is wrong with you? And I've got TVs in every room in my den outside. I said, I, 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 said, I, can't, turn, I can't watch no more of this. 
I'd rather go look at my game film and get ready for next week. I'm not this. I can't. I can't do this anymore. I said I. I. I, I just and and I knew going into this season the critical piece for us. It's the adjustment with our OC. Um, I knew the defense. I knew the defense would be better, but it's the adjustment with the OC. But that the quarterbacks that we had, and 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 man, I tell you, I just it's, it was it was that piece right there. I just didn't feel in my gut, and just seeing some tapes and and um, um, you know, I have I have somebody that uh, that I know, you know that's there in Tuscaloosa. It's a good friend of mine. And uh, everything that he saw at practice that he talked to me about, he said, it's just, he said, Warren, it's just, hey, it's, man, it's it's what it is. He said, it's work. And, and you know, so uh, I'm optimistic, but, but look, everybody knows it now. And, and that's the whole problem about playing a game. It's known now. And 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 the, th- and the thing is, Alabama is gonna have to put up points on Saturday. It's gonna it. have to put up points, and uh, and I think yeah. Milrow gives you the best chance to do that. Well, that, he probably and, gives and you I, the best chance to keep it away from Ole Miss. Yeah, with with that, lengthy. Brain. And that's and I think and and you guys you guys that's and I think that's where it is when you when you you know when you when you when you're talking to in Nick's mind. And you know, you know, you know, he only knows how his minds work. We're always guessing at him, but 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 that's it. Put the points up. Give us a best opportunity to win, so that we can bring doubt into everybody's mind. And and don't get this twisted. I, I was talking to another guy. Look, this plays very much into moving into next year when we're talking about the twelve game playoffs. Mm-hmm. See, we we we, we don't want to jump into next year, but we have to think about what we're doing now for that. Right? It's, okay. This is big. This year is critical. It's it is it is it is critical. Um, how we're playing now for that. Right? I can see that. And we a have bit, to be memorable this year. You don't want to start out where they are now, and that's number 13 in the that's, nation. Great call, Warren. we got to go. get to break. Thanks, uh, please make it a habit. Call us back yeah, again. Yeah, excellent call. And we'll take more calls on the other side of this break. Inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris Show. Hey, everybody. It's Gary Harris coming up Tuesday on the Gary Harris Show at 9 a.m. on Top 100.9 FM. Drudy Armin, the Rocket Man, will join us to talk some ball. Also, the Titans report with Kayla Anderson. And we'll review Nick Saban's Monday press conference comments. Catch the Gary Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. What a beautiful day today. Sunshine in full supply, the high 83. Clear and cool tonight, below 59. And dry, pleasant weather continues tomorrow and Wednesday. The sky's sunny both days. Highs between 83 and 86 degrees. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 80. 82 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. 
This is Big Noon Sports. I'll get to George's call in just one second, but I wanted to ask Justin something since he was in the, the post-game interview area. Is anybody saying anything about Justice Haynes? I mean, I know he got banged up after the second scrimmage, but he played some in the first game. Um, I, I don't believe anybody asked about him. Um, and now that you said that, I wish I asked about him. His father tweeted out that he's healthy. And then he's what playing, does that tell you? He's playing some special teams. Yeah. Oh, um, I didn't even see him play special teams. I think he is. I mm-hmm. could be wrong on that. Um, but going back to Milrow, I, I think that Nick Saban coming out and making the statement on Monday that Jalen is the starter, and he did use the words moving forward, I think this is firm and final. I think there, you, you, you rise or fall with, with Jalen Milrow. I think he is the guy for the rest of the year. There's not going to be any of this going back and forth and starting different quarterbacks. Uh, I think it, I think it's Milrow. I really do. Let's go to Macon and talk to George. George, you're on Big Noon Sports. How's it going, guys? Thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, Saturday was very, very disturbing. But one of the most disturbing things, as bad as the line did not block, I, I can't say they blocked because they didn't, especially the left side, was that we're still having trouble getting the correct number of players on the field and having to take time out. I, I don't understand that. And the next thing I don't understand I remember when Lane Tiffin um, was our offensive coordinator. Nick Saban wanted him on the field so he could calm down the quarterback and see things the way that they saw it. How come Tommy Reese isn't on the field? Because I think he is also the quarterback coach. I don't understand why that does not apply to him also. And I think that he would make a great contribution instead of being up in the box with his bad gum head in his hand worrying about what he's doing. I mean, that is such a bad look, it's not even funny. And I, I don't understand why he's not on the field. Was Do y'all it, have any was, ideas well, on that? Well, wasn't Sark in the box? Um, no, I don't think. Well, I, I sometimes it was and sometimes it wasn't. But, I mean. I think it's just coach's don't preference. Don't you think that Tommy oh. Reese can, um, don't you think he can add something and calm the quarterback down? If he's on the field. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can sign that off to somebody else's responsibility and maybe not as close as uh, Reese. But You certainly can uh, see the field better from the I've pre- always from thought the, the offensive coordinators should stay upstairs unless it was just really the way they wanted to do it and they were having a success doing it. Um, you know, that's, I think, more of an individual coach's preference than anything. I imagine if Saban wanted to direct up or down, he could, and he would, and that's where they'd be. But um, I've always believed that DCs and OCs would probably rather watch where they can see from an aerial view. Well, I, I, I just see that we got a young quarterback well, we had a young quarterback on um, this past weekend. And Milrose, you know, he's relatively young as far as starts. And I think that having him down there, seeing things the way that the quarterback sees it, can maybe explain to him, you know, more what's going on. But not having the right, not having the right number of players on the field, 
I, you know, that I don't get that at all. I mean, um, I mean, I play football and dadgummit, when the coach tells you to do something, it's done. You know, there's no, um, you know, hesitation about it. And I'm hearing, you know, I've heard all this noise about attitudes. Is that something that's a fact or is that just blown out of proportion? Um, of the quarterback Milrow having a out last week and that was one reason he didn't play. But in my thoughts, the reason that he played the other two guys to see what he had, like you have already stated. Um, what's your thoughts? I don't have any inside information on that, and so I can't really comment. I think that, um, hey, yeah, my I, my my theory is that uh, Nick Saban and the staff viewed uh, the South Florida game as sort of the last opportunity before you get into SEC play to give uh, both Buckner and Simpson a chance just to show what they have, what they can do uh, behind center in a real game, getting meaningful snaps. And, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious uh, that the conclusion that Nick Saban has come to is, you know what, Jalen Milrow is, uh, is, the, is the best. That the, he gives us the best opportunity to win. And so I am surmising that they are going to sort of shift uh, the focus of the offense to make it uh, more tailored to uh, uh, Jalen's skill set, uh, get him out on, on uh, get him out of the pocket, uh, roll him out, uh, RPOs, uh, bootlegs, and, uh, and, 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 you know, maybe sort of a little option. I mean, who knows? I, I just think you got to, uh, Matt, just go and make sure that you're not trying to put a square peg into a round hole. And that's what it felt like against Texas. You know, um, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you know, you got to do what you're, what you're you know, you got to put your offense has got to be tailor made to what your quarterback can do. And I agree with you. It seems like we're trying to put a square pig in a round hole. Um, but I, I think that I think that we can still salvage the situation. Um, yeah. But I will say this: at, after three quarters of that game last week, it was just it was nauseating. I mean, we didn't do anything good. But fortunately, we did have a fourth quarter um, offensive surge, which I thought was good. But another thing, I I mean, Buckner. I thought he was horrible, and I don't understand why. I mean, um, and that was gosh, it, it was it was nauseating. I mean, yeah, um, it was tough was, to watch, and also I mean, just felt so bad for the kid. I mean, uh, he came in with a pretty good resume, and uh, boy, it all went to shambles after what fifteen? How many passes did he throw? It was four of fifteen, <laughs> or something like that. I think that. he was three of eight. Three of eight. And it's just uh, hey, mean, great. Great call. Okay, if that's the way Tommy Reese evaluates talent, we got a problem. Oh, God. Line of the day. That's a good point. Line of the day. George, thanks, man. We'll talk soon. You know who, and I know I realize it was against Sanford, but Auburn instituted a lot more RPO. Now, I didn't think that was Peyton Thorne's forte. He ran for over 100. Ran for 100. He... Combined rushing and passing had over 400 yards with his arm and with his legs. And 
He had 11 carries for 123 yards and 11.2 average and two touchdowns. I was listening to Hugh Freeze on the way over here, and he was quick to point out, we put in more RPO, and they were doing that against Sanford to see if it it had promise. It does. Thorne, meanwhile, was 24 of 32 for 282 yards. By the way, he rushed for two touchdowns. I don't know if, I'm, uh, if I mentioned that or not. A touchdown and a couple of picks. He even went as far as to say when we put Ashford in there, he was running RPOs. So Auburn's moving in that direction, and it certainly would appear to me that Alabama is now. Yeah. Because that's – obviously, that's the best offense for Jalen Milrow, right? Yeah. Are you a little surprised? I, I mean, I think Nick Saban came out – and stated that Milrow is a starter because he wants to he's sort of giving the reins to Jalen. But tactically, don't you think it would have made sense to wait until game time? God, because it is there. Yeah. If it's if it's Simpson or Milrow, two completely different styles of quarterback, two completely different styles of offense. So why not wait and make Lane? Kiffin and Ole Miss prepare for both quarterbacks. Or or just start Simpson next week and just totally throw the water on him. I, th- I, agree. I, I think uh, tactically that probably was the better option to wait. But I also think Nick is realizing that Jalen – and we've heard the rumors where he didn't respond well, didn't practice well to not being in this game. I think, like you said, it was just, you know what, Jalen – we're you're, trusting you're you guy. this week, and you have all week to get ready for this game because yeah. you're going to be the one to walk out on the field. How much do you think he helped his cause by being the first person on the field to congratulate Ty Simpson? It's Big flashes time. of uh, Jalen and Tua. Yes, yeah. it is. Exactly. That's immediately what I thought about. I mean, and, and Nick Saban saying that he earned the right. Is it possible that he earned the right, not with his play on the field, but with his actions off the field during I that game? I don't think it hurt at all. In fact, I'll just go ahead and say it helped. And maybe, the, you know, that is exactly perhaps what Nick Saban was looking for when he, I would... I would venture to say, told Jalen, hey, you're probably not going to play in this game. You know, be supportive on the sideline. Don't don't sulk. And Nick probably wanted to see his reaction. And he reacted the exact way you hoped he would. I don't know. Who's who's putting this new package in? I mean, is Tommy (laughs) Reese now being forced to put something in that he's never dealt with before? I guess they ran some RPO with Buckner at Notre Dame. I, I, I just hope they, they change something because the offense they ran against Texas with Milrow didn't look very suited to him, so they, they have to change um, something. Yeah, but can you change it in three practices? But, uh, and also, <laughs> do you think it's a really, really good thing? I think it is for the fans that Alabama has Kiffin up next. I do. Uh, I just said, I, I like he, it I, when I, Alabama I, plays you, Kiffin. I, I, just, could, I think you could make the argument that Ole Miss is the best team remaining on Alabama's regular season schedule. Um, do you see what LSU did at Mississippi State? Have you watched Ole Miss? Yeah, I did. I would say LSU is better than Ole Miss. Well, I, I, they're close. Yeah. 
and, and Tennessee as well, and and who knows what Auburn's wow. going to look like in a, in six weeks or whatever it is, two months. You for, were you forgetting about them Gators? Oh, man. Yep. Billy Napier. Who put the gas in their tank? Wow. Uh, gives us a lot of things to talk about next hour. Coming up immediately, though, Mark Heim from WNSP and Mobile and AL.com will be joining us. Lots to talk about, and you can join in at 205-342-9904. This is Big Noon Sports. Taft on. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205 790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. It's the Tide 100.9 30K Workday Payday. Win cash every weekday, 8 to 5. Here's this hour's cash code. Four four six again. Four four six. The code is four four six. Enter that code now on the Tide one hundred point nine app. Click on the thirty k payday button and enter the code for a chance to win thirty thousand dollars. More big noon sports coming up. And it is Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, Justin Jones, and now being joined on our hotline by Mark Heim from AL.com and from WNSP down in Mobile. Mark, how are you this morning? Actually, it's afternoon, Matt. Yeah, it all kind of blends together. Well, I'm I'm a little disappointed, man. They even went ahead and named himself a starter. I thought I had a shot after Saturday's performances. Man, I was going (laughs) to throw my hat in the ring. Well, uh, go ahead and take the ball from there. I was surprised, I think, as our team was here in Tuscaloosa, that he named a starter on Monday and probably didn't wait until it kind of leaked out like last week. Were you? Uh, I was uh, initially, and then I got to thinking about it. I really probably think this is his way of kind of countering Lane Kiffin's shenanigans about who's calling uh, the defense over there. You know, he made the comments about Kevin Steele not making the calls and I think that's 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 just Lane and his his misdirection. He loves to run. He likes to create a little chaos. Alabama week. I think that was probably. I uh, know I know it was calculated, and so I think you, you fight fire with fire, and you you squelch one new story by creating another one. Give us your big picture assessment of what you saw on Saturday. This is not uh, 
the Alabama team that uh, we're accustomed to, no matter how you spin it, there are just too many glaring issues. I know quarterback's the biggest problem, but that offensive line is absolutely atrocious. And I know uh, Nick Saban talked about exotic defenses and pressure packages and blitz packages that they didn't do a very good job picking up. But the truth of the matter is they, they just haven't performed to an Alabama standard, not just over the, over the weekend, but all, all season long. So in I think that's the biggest – that's number one. Number two is the the penalty issue continues to rear its ugly head. And, you know, this is something that Nick Saban has talked about for more than a season. It, it was all last season, too. So why is it – and this is the million-dollar or the billion-dollar question – why is it that the greatest coach of all time can't wrap his head around this, can't fix this issue? I don't have the answer. But until those two things are figured out, it could be a, a very long season for Alabama. There was even mentioned on ABC that Alabama didn't look to have a leader or have a lot of togetherness on, on the sideline. Uh, I don't know if you remember hearing that as it was reported yeah. live, but uh, do you sense that as well, or was that just maybe a one- or two-play observation? No, I, I think I, – well, first, I, I do – I think the answer is both, really. I, I, I think that was an observation based on what they saw – uh, against South Florida, but I think this has been an issue over the last couple of years. Uh, is is as good as stars that they had on both the offensive and defensive side last year. I think if you go back two seasons, there was talk about guys freelancing and doing their own thing and and not really playing within the system or the play or whatever. I think NIL is a real problem there. We've mentioned it uh, a couple times uh, on our show over the last you know, however many months, not that they can't get guys because of NIL, but NIL is a very divisive uh, issue in the locker room. If the guy next to you is making X amount of dollars and, 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 and you're not, that becomes an issue. So I think you take all of that and, and the, the transfer portal issues that continue to rear its ugly head in which Alabama certainly gotten its share of guys, but it's losing its backups early in their careers for playing time. Right. And so those guys that you're trying to develop into leaders aren't there. And so guys that are behind those guys are coming up and having to fill that void. So I think it's a number of issues. But, no, I don't think you have that prototypical guy that's kind of getting after everybody and pumping them up and telling them where to be. I don't think that guy is that guy's there yet. Now, one of the reasons I think that is is because your quarterback situation. Typically, your quarterback is that guy. And if they don't know if they're playing from week to week, how can they lead a team that, that, that they're not even good enough to play for? Mark, you have uh, you, you've written about uh, Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, and, and what you know people are saying about him. The fact is, you go from Lane Kiffin to Sark to Bill O'Brien, right? Those guys have so much experience, uh, Super Bowls, national championships, uh, head coaches at big time schools. And then you bring in a 33-year-old uh, who is an offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Uh, is it your sense that Tommy might be in over his head a little bit? Uh, or can he get things turned around? Yeah. I, I'm not overly optimistic at this point. And, and, and the reason I say that is because you look at the problems that they were having, uh, providing a clean pocket for whoever was playing quarterback, and, and they kept dropping the quarterback back into a pocket. It's like, try something new. Move him out. Try to offset some of those pressures with some screens or some draws or something, some quick wide receiver screens, anything. But I, I just didn't see a lot of imagine, 
imagination. It just seemed like we were just going to keep doing what we're going to do, and sooner or later we're going to hit them with a big one because we're just better than them. And I do believe that, because I think this was reported too, guys. You can help me out with this. But it was kind of reported that they didn't bring Reese to come in with Buckner to, to kind of share what they know and run their their stuff. They were kind of, they were brought in to learn what Alabama runs and to run it. So from that perspective, we talk about a quarterback with very little um, experience with this offense. It sounds like the offensive coordinator has just as um, probably less experience at this point than, than the guy taking the snap. Well, if they've asked them to run a different offense, then that might shed a little light on uh, how confused and uh, bright-eyed Buckner looked because uh, that 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 was troubling. So, yeah, he was he was. I mean, guys, I'm sure he's a nice kid. I'm sure he works hard, but that was that was awful. And I and I, I blame Nick Saban for for the kind of the the fan reaction and the cry for a backup quarterback because all season, all off season long, you've been talking about how it's a really competitive uh, competition, uh, uh, and clearly it wasn't right. If 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 yesterday or Saturday was any indication. Uh, Tyler Buckner has no business being out on that field. I mean, if you need somebody to drop back, try to throw the ball, let it get stuck in your hand, throw it in the dirt, that's why I'm applying for that. I can do that, right? <laughs> so I do think, I, you know, and, I, and it's hard to believe that the moment was too big, like he was nervous. I mean, this is the kid that played at Notre Dame, right? You, you know, this, this, is, this is why you bring him in. And so I think with Ty Simpson, I think most people agree that given some time, he probably has like the best long ball. Like he could probably develop into a good passer. But you know that's something. Time is is not a luxury that Alabama has right now. You need to go out. And you need to win now. So based on the off the, the lack of an offensive line execution and and your quarterback having to run for his life, it just makes sense that Jalen Milrow is your guy. The problem is is Milrow's skill set doesn't fit the skill set required to run that offense. So it's a kind of a square peg round hole issue right now, I think, with Alabama's offense. All the way around. Gee, no, I yeah, think that's the third time that phrase has been <laughs> mentioned on this show. Yeah. yeah. Did you get a chance to see the video that went a little bit viral over social media? Uh, and it's it's simply Nick Saban and a couple of the players walking off the field, and, and Saban looks a little disheveled, and and the body language of everyone at Alabama just is it's it reeks of defeat, and yeah. uh, it's 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 a powerful image, it really is, and of course there's it reinforces the death of the dynasty talk. Where are we with all this? Are are you still clinging to a little bit of hope that Alabama can turn this thing around, or uh, is that video really going to be sort of uh, a, a an enduring image of the fall of uh, of the empire, so to speak? Here, yeah, I think that video spoke volumes to the frustration, the lack of answers that Nick Saban has. I think he's tried, you know, he did the whole, there's a time to pat guys on the butt, on the butt, a time to kick them in the butt, you need to know when. Uh, I think at this point, after losses, he admitted, right, after losses, he, he tries to coddle the guys, he's softer, I think was the word he used. Well, I think at this point, we'd rather see Nick Saban just kind of rip into some guys, like really get after them, light a fire under them. But yeah, and I think it's an important distinction. I think you can still win and win at a high clip and still not be dynastic, Right. I mean, the, the days of Alabama going out there and dominating top 10 opponents by double digits is, is over. I, I think that much is clear. 
they can still win those games and win eight, nine, ten, or ten, eleven games and get to a conference championship and win it and still not be a dynasty. But it's not that they're falling off as much as everybody's catching up. And he just, man, he just doesn't have answers right now. I read that 37 of the Bulls roster transfer. I mean, yeah. you can make a, a whole lot of hay through the transfer portal. Well, it seems yeah. like half of the starters for TCU uh, transferred from Alabama. I mean, you just look at the depth. Alabama's taking a huge hit uh, depth-wise uh, when it comes to Are, the transfer portal. Is Alabama and, using it right? Well, they got Jamison Williams. I will put that to you, Mark. What do, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, so there's a positive and a negative, right? Yeah, clearly they are. You look at Jameer Gibbs, you look at Boy, look at all the guys that came in and were immediate impact. So where it's hurting them is something they can't control. Like where where he built his dynasty was on consistency and and making people understand that it was going to be their turn. They have to wait their turn though, and to go through all that and and to to earn that that spot. And now with the transfer portal the way it is. Guys aren't waiting around. They, they're greener pastures. So I don't know. You, you can't combat that. You can't. And you, you really can't. You, you, I mean, do you, you can't really hurt, um, get angry at a kid for, for, for leaving for, for playing time this day and age. So I think I don't know how to combat it. I don't think they're losing, to, to your point. They're still, they're still recruiting at a very high clip as well as anybody in the country. How do you keep those guys in the system, in the program, without playing them? And keeping them happy is is the biggest challenge of Nick Saban's career. Yeah, and um, he's not very fond of it. He's made that very no. He's been very honest about that. Hey, you wrote a uh, piece today on AL.com about Dion and his sixty minutes appearance. Can you hang on through a break and talk to us about that? Or have you got things to do? Uh, for you guys, absolutely, oh. man. <laughs> awesome. What a guy. Mark Heim continues on Big Noon Sports. Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. 365 24-7. You'll find road and utility crews, tow trucks, law enforcement, and first responders working along Alabama's roadway. We're making improvements and helping our communities stay connected. We're working hard to make sure you're safe on the road. Now we need your help to make sure we're safe too. Alabama's move over law requires you to move over a lane when you see flashing lights on the roadside. And if you can't safely move over, please slow down. Visit drivesafealabama.org. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Transportation, Alabama Broadcasters Association, and this station. Time. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. What a beautiful day today. Sunshine in full supply. The high 83. Clear and cool tonight. The low 59. And dry, pleasant weather continues tomorrow and Wednesday. The sky's sunny both days. Highs between 83 and 86 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 83 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Matt, Lars, Justin, and Mark Heim from AL.com and WNSP in Mobile. 
Mark, I uh, read with great interest your story about Deion Sanders' appearance last uh, night on 60 Minutes. Um, he's a, he is still a very brash young man. He's not young anymore, Matt. Uh, but he said, who's the best coach? He said, find me a mirror. But then he went into a great comment uh, about Nick Saban. Just kind of give us your take on what you saw from Dion last night on 60 Minutes. Yeah, I think you're always going to get that kind of confident, cocky Dion Sanders. But every once in a while, he get real introspective on you. And I, I think if, if he was being honest, he would tell you that he sees Nick Saban as that guy. He talked about how he loves and adores and respects him. And like every time Nick Saban talks, he kind of eats it all up and tries to uh, act like a sponge because he's always going to say something that uh, is valuable to him in his coaching career. Look, Dion is still very, uh, you know, new to this whole coaching thing. He hasn't done it for that long. He's had a lot of success. There's no doubt he knows football. So I think he understands the opportunity even if it's just hanging out on the set of Affleck with Nick Saban, that there is a there is a ton that he can learn from Nick Saban. So he admires the guy, and I think, you know, if you, if you hit him with some truth serum, he'd tell you that Nick Saban was the greatest coach of all time. Do you think Deion Sanders could ever be named the head coach at Alabama? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, could he ever be named? Uh, me repeating the question is stalling for a legitimate <laughs> answer. I mean, um, it's like I, it's it's fascinating what he's doing at at Colorado. He, he's not necessarily my cup of tea, but um, it's like one with the transfer portal, but also celebrity as coach, and yeah. and a guy who is. Uh, uh, um, He's proven it in the NFL, right? But arguably one sure. of the greatest corners, if not the greatest of all time, just a pure cover guy. And uh, his son clearly is a special quarterback. Really? He is really, really good. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, if, if, if is, this, is this possible that it's like he's the first of more to come? Yeah. My, uh, my, my first reaction is there's no way the Alabama – contingency powers that be would allow this. But then, I mean, that's kind of the only way they got Nick Saban, right? He had to have complete autonomy. He had to take over and, and, and manage every aspect of that program. So from that perspective, it's possible. It is. It, it certainly is. And there's not a bigger name in college football right now. If Nick Saban were to retire tomorrow, uh, that could fill that void and there would be that much excitement. Now, I also believe, to your point, that for every every fan that's excited about that hire, there'll be one uh, in the state of Alabama complaining about it for sure. Uh, so um, you know the, uh, but he he can he certainly can recruit, uh, and he's he's won everywhere he's been. Although it hadn't been a whole lot of places, uh, I I think you'd have to you'd be doing yourself a disservice at this point not to at least consider it. How about that? I, yeah, I just don't think he's a fit culturally. But then, you know, who, who's to know what's the fit, what the fit, fit is in five years? I think he's a fit culturally, Colorado. D- 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 yeah, did you see them paying the stands? Pay, what? The, the television. I mean, yeah, you're talking about a bunch of rich snow skiers. Yes. Does Dion fit in there? <laughs> no. Not really. <laughs> That's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. No, I knew exactly what you're talking about, <laughs> but you do have to kind of walk a tightrope here when you're talking about. I mean, there was... So many Caucasians in the stands, unbelievable. 
Am I going to get in trouble for that? I mean, it's a, it's a it's an observation. I mean, well, I, I, nobody I wants think, to touch that uh, except Matt. But <laughs> by the way, Colorado well, State didn't have any. You know, they they had mostly Caucasians too. So, um, but well, his brash I, I think, and and his yeah. it's you know what it fits. It fits today's culture. The students love this stuff, don't they? They do, and I think it's one of those situations. And and, and this might be to one of your to, to your point about maybe it not being a good fit. He is he is he is coaching like he needs headlines, like he needs attention on his program. When you get to a, a school like Alabama, you don't need that. You don't need to make strides to get people to, to talk about your program. You're already there. So when he was in the SWAC, he was doing the same thing. He was doing things that, that, that he, to get publicity for his program. Does he, he doesn't, he's not going to need that when he gets to Alabama. Will he continue that? And I guess the bigger issue is would an administration or an athletic program to y'all's earlier point about transfer portal, do you really want to get into the business of not honoring college scholarships uh, as blatantly as they're disregarding it in Colorado? I know it's a trend. People are winning with it. It's a dangerous precedent. I'm with you on that. I don't like the idea of after a year, everybody just jumping ship because they've been tossed out. But look, Nick Saban, like every other coach, has processed guys out in the past, just not in such a high volume. Uh, It's the, the, the college game has changed, and you either get on board or you get out. So, I mean, look at what's happening with Dabo right now. Dabo won't take transfers, right? Um, and it's he's not he's not messing with that portal, and it's really hurting him right now. So, it's it's a it's a it's a great question. Um, yeah, there would be some hurdles for sure. Going back to Alabama, what would you? And this is a big, another big picture question. What are the causes of the issues that are transpiring? Is it uh, the the turnover in the assistant coaches? Is it uh, transfer portal? Is it NIL? Is it uh, you know just uh, the inevitability that it can't be? It can, nothing can be sustained uh, at such a high level. Or is it sort of a combination of all those factors, and probably some that I'm I'm missing? Yeah, I, I always point to tra- uh, the transfer portal and NIL as big issues. Uh, I, I think there is some degree that it can't last forever. Uh, I don't know if it, it's the turnover of assistant coaches. He's he's had high turnover of assistant coaches for years. Um, I. I you know, he, they've been very fortunate. You know, there was a time not that long ago, I think we've talked about it on your show in the past, where, you know, they didn't have high-profile quarterbacks going to the NFL. Like, it's been a long time since <laughs> the guy who graduated or played at Alabama went to the NFL. Now they've had this consecutive string of guys, uh, of high-caliber guys, and they just don't have that right now. Um, but, yeah, the, the portal hurts the depth, right, we talked about. I think the NIL hurts the everybody buying in. And I think... Saban just is having a difficult time trying to get these guys to focus and, and keep their eye on the what he calls the process. One play at a time, you know, one series at a time. Don't worry about the scoreboard. Do your job and everything will work out for the best when you got these other teams out there that are that are wheeling and dealing and 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 saying, Look at me, it's very difficult to kind of play that team oriented game, even if even when you have all these trophies to show for it. You know, I, I think 
you know, the fans in this state have become very, very spoiled by the last four quarterbacks. And I, I, I think sure. nationally the question puzzles fans more because they're going, look, Hurts, Tua, Mac, Bryce. Uh, how can they not have another one of those guys? Well, the fact right. of the matter is they had five-star and Ty Simpson and these other guys, one you know, one quarterback at Notre Dame and, and the other had the most experience and, and, and is, uh, as an athlete, he's just dynamic. Um, it, it is a little puzzling, though, Mark, that they misfired on, well, maybe not three, but uh, a couple here for sure. Well, maybe the misfire, and I don't know, but maybe the misfire isn't on the quarterbacks as much as it is on the idea of going back to a pro style, knowing that you have a guy like Jalen Milrow that's ready and, and capable of running the more RPO type stuff. Maybe that maybe it's just, and I'm just speculating, maybe it's just poor timing on the decision to go back to what you wanted to go, or maybe he made that call too too early and they were just too far down that road to, to change course. And so then you bring in you bring in Reese to run your pro-style offense and you got this quarterback that just, he can't make the throws, he can't make the progressions, but he can run like the wind and can make throws, you know, when he's Im- impromptu. It sounds like a perfect guy to run a Jalen Hurt type offense. Uh, but maybe we've just gone too down the ro- too far down the road. What are your expectations when uh, number fifteen Ole Miss rolls into Tuscaloosa uh, for the two thirty kick, which will be on CBS? Uh, I think this is a really difficult matchup for Alabama because of the Rebels' offense being so explosive. Yeah. Um, I, I, so if there's one good thing that came out of. Uh, the game against South Florida, check notes for positive column. Uh, <laughs> it's probably, it, it's, it's the, the defense played well. The defense played lights out. Uh, I mean, you know, they, they had, they, they created a little anarchy there. So I do think the defense is playing better. And I think the defense did okay even against Texas, we talked about it. So uh, what I learned about, Ole, and I've seen Ole Miss a couple times, uh, that Ole Miss Tulane game was actually a lot closer than the score indicated. Uh, they they got a couple of tur- they got a turnover too late when Tulane was pressing and needed to score. But Tulane took Ole Miss to the wire without their starting quarterback. So as good as Ole Miss's offense is, I'm not sure how great their defense is. Right? I think it's the same old lane from that perspective. So if you can get just enough stops, and if you can get, I think Jalen Milrow comfortable doing what he's doing, you you you've made the decision. You've let everybody know early, so the guys can kind of rally around him. I think they'll come out a little bit more focused. That doesn't mean they're still not going to make dumb mistakes and pre-snap penalties and losing touchdowns due to penalties. I, I, I won't believe they're, they're capable of fixing those problems until they actually do it at this point. But I, I do think this will be a competitive game. I do think Alabama will ultimately win this game. Mark, um, will you take a call from Athens, Georgia? I can give it a shot. We can give it a shot? Sure. Uh, all right, let's see. Greg. From Athens. Sorry, guys. That that's for uh for Ryan. Oh, I thought I, I misread. Man, they call in early. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. All right, Mark. Well, I appreciate your time. I know Lars does as well. We've kept you a little bit longer than usual, but uh, well worth it. And uh, everybody needs to listen when they're in the Mobile area, or uh, listen on your app to WNSP Marks on in the mornings, and then uh, as well as read them on AL dot com. Thank you, Mark. Hey, man. Enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a good week. All right, you you see, Mark, thanks. Right. 
Uh, Mark Hine, uh, he'll be on with us again next week. Always has an interesting perspective on things going on in the world of sports, and particularly here in the state of Alabama. When we get back, Lars, this is one of the strangest high school football stories I've read in many years, and it involved the band. It's a crazy story. I'll share it with you on the other side of this break. Right here on Big News Sports. Inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris Show. Hey, everybody, it's Gary Harris coming up Tuesday on the Gary Harris Show at 9 a.m. on Top 100.9 FM. Drudy Armin, the Rocket Man, will join us to talk some ball. Also, the Titans report with Kayla Anderson, and we'll review Nick Saban's Monday press conference comments. Catch the Gary Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Let's take a break away from um, Alabama college football here for just a second because when I read this Saturday, I went, nah, this, this is... But it comes from reports from AL.com and from those that were on the scene. Minor High School was playing Jackson Olin at Jackson Olin Friday night. Actually, this was Thursday night. Let's get the facts right. Um, after the game, police were trying to clear the stadium, uh, but both bands stayed and kept playing. A Birmingham Police Department went over to the Jackson Olin, the host team, and asked their bands to stop playing. They complied. Then they went over to the minor high school, and the minor high school band director refused. This remind you of the Don McLean American Pie <laughs> lyrics. But and and they he kept ignoring requests. And he kept meanwhile, the director kept telling the band to keep playing. Officers decided to arrest the director because of a physical altercation that occurred between the director and the local police. He refused to put his hands behind his back. Then he pushed the police. They used the taser. 
that's the end of the investigation as far as we know. I'm sure there'll be some follow-up here. But, man, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, You're on somebody else's field. You refuse to yield. Um, I don't know. It's I don't know if it's a story worth going into no, comment. I mean, you know, his name is Johnny Mims, and uh, he just didn't comply with what the police were asking him to do. And then he turned violent and it's not going to end well for anybody when you do that. Don't push the police. No. You know, um, I guess, you know, doesn't say exactly here whether or not charges will be filed, but it seems like they certainly would have been. Oh, he's been charged with uh, disorderly conduct, uh, harassment, and resisting arrest. Oh, you got a follow-up story over there. Good. Um, yeah, for uh, encouraging his band of, remember, they're all teenagers, uh, to, can, can, to continue playing long after the game had ended. And he'd been asked several times. The other band complied. It, and the, and the police uh, are just trying to clear out the stadium. And the home team obliged, right? They uh, they they uh, left the home uh, the home band left when the cops asked them to stop playing. But Mims allegedly told his students, "Keep on jamming, get it going." And they they I repeatedly guess. asked him to stop so the students and the ticket holders could leave the stadium. But he just ignored them. And. And then the, the, because of, he was ignoring them, the decision was made to place him into custody. And at that point, a phys- physical altercation ensued. And uh, I was talking to Karen about this. What's going through that guy's mind? I mean, seriously. I don't know. Not a lot of right. logical thinking. Uh, I'm going to go to that negative story to a really, really positive one. Nebraska one. Uh, <laughs> volleyball? Hey, we won volleyball. Volleyball Anderson is very happy, but uh, yeah, Huskers beat Northern Illinois. Uh, and that's, if people think that's a pushover, it's not usually. It's not. Northern, the Huskies, right? They've been known, did they not beat Alabama many, many years ago? Or Auburn? Uh, or somebody like somebody, that? Somebody, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a, a kid from Kearney, Nebraska. Uh, who started for Nebraska or, and started for the Huskers. And it was the first time that a kid from the state of Nebraska had started a game since I believe like uh, 1999 when the kid named Monte Cristo. I remember him. <laughs> remember I mean, Monte Cristo? couldn't remember that name? Uh, NIU beat Alabama in 2003, 19-16. Uh, That's all. So take that. So, <laughs> all right. But I have no, I, 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 I did. I, Alabama's I, I, volleyball I, team won <laughs> that particular day. So as I was watching the game, uh, the Alabama game, I, I I just put out on social like I can't believe what is happening. But Alabama is playing like Nebraska, and oh. uh, that was actually taken quite well by Alabama fans because it's true, no. and Nebraska fans were actually sympathizing with us folk down here in the great state of Alabama. I think the biggest story that has uh, been pushed to under the fold because of Alabama and because of all the things going on nationally in football is the fact that South Alabama, USA, the Jaguars went to Oklahoma State and won. They didn't just win. 
they wore the Cowboys out. The final score was 33-7. to seven. Are they the best team in the state of Alabama? Well, right now. <laughs> UAB? Um, Oof. Trent oh, Dilfer. UAB, man, that's not a good start at one and two. And it's not just the losses, it's the way they lost. They're getting pushed around. Um, it was 41 to nothing before. And they had a major, major uh, lightning delay. Of course, they did They did at Alabama. Hey, what did, what did the fans do at Raymond James were they asked to leave, too? Um, <clears throat> they weren't uh, asked to uh, leave. Uh, <laughs> they were just told, like, on the Jumbotron, like, go to the safety part. But these USF fans, you wouldn't, you know, they're used to it. They yeah. took their shirts off. They were playing in the puddles, jumping uh, and chanting really? the whole time. I mean, they thought they had a chance, and they did have a chance at that point in the game. But uh, Did the weather impact Tyler Buckner, you think? I don't think so. It was a very nice day. It was hot um, to start the game, and he came out the gate. Yeah. I think it was that first one of those first passes where it was on an out route, and it was just way behind the receiver. Yeah, I think we knew close. what we were in for after. Yeah. No, well, what did you jump in puddles too? Is that what? What did you do as an Alabama fan at Tampa? I thought about going out onto the field pregame, but I was. You would have thought I jumped in a puddle with how much I was sweating walking around the stadium. I think the hottest I've ever been was in Tampa in the summer. And it was 100 degrees, and the humidity was 100 degrees. And oh, yeah. I don't know. I was down there with the Stallions, and they were playing um, uh, the Tampa Bandits, coached by Steve Spurrier. Um, I've never seen players so worn out in all my life when I got into the uh, dressing room afterwards. They yeah. all said, particularly Tom Banks, who one of my heroes, he said, he's going to have to give me a minute. I covered a training camp. I was there sort of embedded with the Buccaneers just what, two years ago, and it was so hot. <laughs> it made Alabama seem cool it in did. August. It did. <laughs> I said, <laughs> okay, I found a place. I mean, guys, I was, I was there on Saturday sweating to death, and then it's 60 degrees this morning here in Alabama. It, I was like, yeah. do I need to wear a sweatshirt going to work? Did you drive down? I did. I drove. I drove ten hours. I've done it a couple times. But I told Matt when he walked in, I'm not, I'm not doing, doing that again. again. Yeah. I'll, I'll did you? Uh, <laughs> what did you go over to Atlanta and then go south? No, I, I went through Montgomery. Oh, you uh, went that way. I-10. Yep. yep. I-75. Yeah, you kind of cut through the corner of the dog leg there, if you will. And then, oh, and, and speaking of which, did want to ask him one more question, but he's tending with a phone call right now. But <clears throat> we can move along. How about them Gators? They look good. They look good. I was really surprised by that. Me too. I did not uh, did not see that coming. I thought that uh, that Tennessee was going to go into the swamp and handle their business, and it was going to be the beginning of the end for Billy Napier. And uh, couldn't have been more more surprised. Happy for Napier. Um, I am too. He's a likable guy and. He has not gotten off to a great start. No. He got, got it kicked around at Utah. Uh, and he mentioned that in his post game. He said, we got it handed to us at Utah, but we came back and we played pretty well. But um, they started a quarterback named Mertz. Anybody familiar with this guy? He only threw for 166 yards. They only rushed for 130-something. I mean, they had right around – both teams had right around 300 yards total offense. But um, – I mean, 
I did note this, too. Um, Tennessee, while vastly improving over the years, has lost four of their last five road games. I believe I read that correctly. So, your uh, OU quarterback's not playing well on the road. No, uh, but one player who did really well at home in Columbia, Missouri. Oh, what about that kicker? The thicker kicker. Harrison Mevis from 61. It's the game winner as time expires. Longest field goal in SEC history. Um, That is it. And the thing is, uh, the, the Missouri coaching staff inexplicably lost track of time on the sideline and had to take a delay a game before the game winning kick. So what it it was was 56. They pushed it back to 61 and this kid's like I don't care. And he just drilled it. What a kick. Do you remember this guy last year at Auburn? I do not. Uh, We'll talk about that on the other side of this break because it makes the story even more unbelievable. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune in Tuesday. We'll have Kevin Skarbinski at 7.30. We'll break down the Alabama game at South Florida. We'll look forward to the uh, Ole Miss game with uh, Kevin. Also, 8.15, the best in the business, Jack Crow, will join us. Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Need a play? Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. What a beautiful day today. Sunshine in full supply, the high 83. Clear and cool tonight, the low 59. And dry, pleasant weather continues tomorrow and Wednesday. The sky's sunny both days. Highs between 83 and 86 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 83 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Last year, Missouri and Auburn were all tied at 14. Missouri stops the clock with three seconds left to allow Harrison Mevis onto the field to to kick what, you know, here I'm looking at the screens like a field. Uh, it's like an extra point. 26-yarder. Yeah, he missed it. And, of course, Auburn went on to win that game, and Missouri gave it back to him. Missouri should have won this game. I think everybody agreed, even Auburn did. But this same guy... As a tie game, 27-27, it's um, Missouri and, help me. Uh, playing Kansas State. Kansas State. 15th Who's ranked? ranked? Eight, yeah, or, or 15th, something. 18th, yeah. something like that. Tie game, and you just then you just say they, it was a 56-yarder. They forgot to call timeout or something and moved it back to 61. And here's this Mevis guy that... Gets up there. He's called the thicker kicker. If you've seen the video, you know why. And he hauls off and nails a 61-yarder. I mean, it split the uprights and had room to spare. And it gave Missouri a huge win. And aren't the Tigers now 3-0? and Yes, they are. Yeah. They are 3-0. and They're yeah. the best and team in the it, SEC right now. He hit it uh, with uh, – there was three seconds left on the clock. And – 
he boomed it. I mean, uh, just a, a, a terrific kick. Uh, you got to feel good for the for him. A uh, little bit of redemption from last year. He is really he's known as one of the better kickers in the country. Uh, Two time finalist for the Lou Groza Award for the best kicker in the country, and uh, he's a potentially an NFL kicker. Uh, certainly, when you come through in the clutch like this, 61 yarder, longest uh, field goal in SEC history at the buzzer to uh, to beat uh, a Kansas State game. And again, you got to realize Missouri, Kansas State, it's a big rivalry in the Midwest. Big, it's a big a big thing because uh, those two schools, for many years, were in the uh, the Big Eight together, and then uh, the Big Twelve, and. So they, they've been getting after each other for a long time. So uh, really a cool, cool story. And uh, a really odd story, Matt, is the curious case of the missing F-35 stealth fighter in South Carolina. Um, did, Justin, did, do you want to give a, a brief sketch here of the overview of what is going on with this uh, stealth fighter, which is one of the most expensive aircrafts in the uh, in, in in the fleet? Uh, I believe it comes at about a price tag of twenty, thirty million. Um, it's definitely out of my price range, Lars. <laughs> I won't be getting one anytime soon. But yeah, uh, I guess they were flying them around. Uh, I, can't, I can't think of the name of the. Uh, the Air Force Base that's up there in South Carolina, but uh, the pilot had ejected from the plane. I guess there was an error and that caused him to, you know, these incredible seats and technology, launch him out, parachute, land, and he's fine. Um, but the plane is in autopilot. So the plane is, I guess, flying around. They're uh, searching high and low, uh, and they can't find it. Uh, this rogue jet. Um, but the, the thing with it too is the F-35 is is one of the newest planes in, that the American military has, and it is the premier fighter jet for stealth technology. It's so undetectable. It's undetectable. They can't scan it. They can't find it. it, it, it nothing. Yeah, because the like emergency locator switched off for some reason, and it reminded me, Matt. Every time like a a, a NASCAR engine would blow up. It was like always the two dollar part, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's adding wheels now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's what's going on, perhaps, with the F thirty five B Lightning two jet. And um, you know, this has actually happened before. I guess uh, at the end of the Cold War, there was a Soviet pilot. Um, he witnessed his jet fly off without him after he ejected from it, and it continued to fly for five hundred miles before it eventually was uh, shot down. But um, it's just uh, they're looking uh, north of the, uh, the base in Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, they just uh, they, they don't have the coordinates of it. Because um, they can't get uh, them. <laughs> officials, they haven't confirmed or denied if it's crashed. But a uh, uh, NBC is reporting that again that the Jeff the, the jet was left in autopilot mode when the pilot ejected from the aircraft, leaving open the possibility that it could still be airborne, and uh, it's flying in what they call a zombie state after the pilot ejected, and it is uh, uh, you just you got to hope that. This doesn't end badly with the jet going into a, a populated area. 
The Marine version of this jet topped $160 million. One, six, zero. Oh, wow. It's, it's kind of funny, but yeah. it's really more scary. So the jet's transponder... Again, this is the equivalent of the $2 part in a NASA uh, uh, stock car engine. Uh, was not working, quote, for some reason that we haven't yet determined, according to <laughs> an authority, uh, a, a, a military authority who uh, told the Washington Post that. I'm starting to wonder if all of these UFO sightings are maybe just jets that we've let fly around by themselves. <laughs> and, you know, causing some hysteria. Ho- hopefully... Uh, they find it or it finds the ground in a safe place um, and nothing bad happens from it. Oh my gosh. Okay, I was wrong about the 20 million. Yeah, so a single F-35B jet, it costs about 90 million and it took 60 years to develop <laughs> this thing. They've been working on for 60 years and just the uh, the uh, the price that went into the research and development was more than a trillion it's the costliest weapon program, weapons program in U.S. history, and it and now it's wandering around the skies over South Carolina well, like they a think lost puppy. They think we need to go into the NIL portal and get this thing <laughs> on the on the team. That's what we need. We need an F Everybody, everybody who can hear our voices, look look skyward and see if you see anything. I mean, I wonder, what the, like al- Alabama, you know? I wonder what the got, altitude is. I got a jet with no pilot. <laughs> hey, there you go. Good good way to wrap it back. <laughs> it's uh, That's crazy and uh, also scary. And fortunately, the pilot ejected, got out safely. But my immediate thought there is, isn't a jet like that supposed to have tandem? Most of them, I mean... If, if you believe Top Gun. I think I saw they were flying in formation. Um, really? Yeah. I, I, I mean, why, why did they Shouldn't they, they have just kept up with them? <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess. <laughs> it's this all sorts strangest. of confusing. Yeah, it's just the, you know, the Pentagon is not releasing a lot of information right now. So, uh, yeah, just ho- hope, hopefully this has a, uh, an outcome that isn't tragic. Well, yeah, if you could get it out over the Atlantic, you could take it down. God, yeah. I feel um, like we, we, you know, practiced for this with a certain weather balloon a couple months back. Yeah. So maybe, <laughs> maybe it's the same kind of thing. To change gears here, <laughs> Lars, your Bengals are having a rough time this week. Well, Joe yeah, Burrow's there's hurt. A, there's a Joe, show. Joe Burrow's hurt. And, uh, and you know... He threw he threw an interception that really changed the whole dynamic of the game. It was a fourteen point swing, threw it at the goal line. Uh, next play, Lamar Jackson hits a hits a deep shot, and the Ravens go on to beat the the Bengals twenty seven twenty four. And now the Cincinnati's zero and two for the second straight year. Last year they were able to bounce back and get to the AFC Championship game. But Joe Burrow could barely walk off that field because he re-aggravated a calf injury, uh, a, a calf muscle injury. And that is a type of injury that lingers. And a, such a big part of Joe Burrow's game is uh, his, uh, his athleticism in the pocket. 
and his way his way to uh, sort of buy time and and make plays off script and uh, he just can't do that right now and so he's uh, the the Bengals are, are really struggling and they're they're in trouble uh, they host the Rams uh, which is another team that is not very good right now uh, Monday night football so next uh, next Monday night but yeah the, the the Bengals not a great start to the season. My Packers lost at Atlanta by a single digit yesterday. Um, Did you see that failed <laughs> quarterback sneak? No. Oh, my gosh. Justin, did you see the Jordan Love's quarterback sneak? I didn't. Or no. he, the, <laughs> the ball wasn't snapped, and he was expecting it to be snapped, and he ended up falling forward. <laughs> you, you, got, you got to look at it. It was very comical. Um, yeah, that was a big loss for the Packers. They had that game uh, pretty much yeah. salted away. And the Falcons are now 2-0. and Falcons are looking good. Uh, the Cowboys look really good. Their defense is uh, just amazing. But, again, they're going against Zach Wilson. Did he throw three picks? Three, four, five, who knows? I mean, it, it's just uh, I think we have the, enough uh, evidence to let us know that He's not an NFL quarterback. That was not a good draft pick. Just be, and that was based. That was based on. I swear that was based on his pro day. Remember that one incredible throw one that he throw, made. He, yeah, he was hyped up. The did, one yeah, he, the one throw that went sixty-five yards uh, against his body, and he hits. He hits the guy who is running against air uh, in stride. No, no defensive pressure line yeah. or anything in front of him. Yeah. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, John Mechie too. Finally back in the game, he's yeah, that's playing awesome. his first game for the Texans. He only had one reception, but it was just good to it's see. It's a great him story. It's a great story. Um, Derrick Henry played good, uh, and, and and circling back to the events this weekend for Alabama, Marlon Humphrey who I think is the best corner in the league in the NFL right now, former Alabama player. He tweeted out, uh, and he's not, he's, he didn't play on Sunday because he's hurt. Uh, he tweeted out uh, essentially that the dynasty's over at Alabama. And Marlon is not someone who is prone to overstatement. Like, he, he gives pretty clear-eyed analysis. And uh, the fact that you have, like, some former players, big, big, big-time players saying that uh, it's over here is troubling. But based on what we saw on Saturday, hard to disagree with them. Yeah, it is. I have a, more than a small problem, though, with people just coming out. I mean, of course, the social media birds are going to go crazy on this. But, you know, I, I think it's a little early to be tossing in the towel. I'll be very, very honest with you. They can, they can still win the national championship. Went out. That's the way I want the public to think. All right. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate it. Again. Monroe starts against Ole Miss.